0: Good morning, everybody. Today, Beis will be learning Daf Nun in Maseches Nazir. Barry knows that we're five lines down on Nun Aleph, so we have a little extra time, and he's looking dapper and ready to discuss mummies and corpse juice and continue yesterday's conversation. You ready? So yesterday there was uh, there was some disturbance in the base medrash, right? Rabbi Meir, the great Rabbi Meir, the great Tana passed away. Yossi uh, was, uh, Rabbi Yossi was in uh, attendance and there was a misconstruing of the Mishnah. Our Mishnah had said that not only is a kazayas of corpse going to be Matame, just to reorient ourselves, why are we talking about corpses and pieces of, of corpses? Because the question is, what is the shear that a, that a Nazir would have to come in contact with or carry or be in an oil with? Uh, what would be the shear that would require them to go ahead and go through the purification process as described in the psukim in the Torah, where they would have to wait and then bring the carbonos and shave their head, etc. Now, I did uh, want to correct something I said yesterday, because we mentioned that the shear for an oil of uh, some substance uh, of uh, would be a chatzilug uh, whereas normally a revius would be metame that the shear that would trigger the nazir's purification would be a chatzilug right a double revius and I said I'm, try- I'm trying to figure out where this is from where this must be a darbanan, but it's not it's a halacha so I just wanted to clarify that I was just I couldn't I couldn't figure out wrap my head around where the source was and then uh I had this chus of hearing Rabbi Gross, uh, who gives out like a parparos adaf, Rabbi Gross schlita, the great Roscoe Rebbe, the, who lives uh, our neighbor. Uh, and he uh, mentioned a brisk the, the briskerov discusses this, because it says nefashos in, in the Pasuk, in the plural, and he says that that, he holds is the source of the fact, in other words, there's sort of like a rationale, if you will, for this double shear. Because it says in the Fashos in the plural. So that's why instead of a Revis, it's two reviuses, is Otherwise known as a Chatzilug. Okay? What did you say? Rev- ah, yeah, you said Chatzilug. You figured it out. Did. Andrew did the math. So everyone's extra sharp today. So let's get dig in. So now, the question is like this. Oh, so we said um, that we said the reason, right? In other words, what is the reason, right? That once we said, right, because the Gemara asked for Yossi's explanation. What happened was that in the Mishnah that Rabbi Yehuda quoted, he had said that a, that a full, in, fully intact corpse is going to uh, impart Tuma, and a Kesayis would impart Tuma. And the Talmidim of Rabbi Meir, that Rabbi Yehuda was so. Uh, uh, intimidated by, or whatever, was so interested in not having them in his share, pointed out that... Um, so, so, so Rabbi Huda himself had thought, had left out the part of the fully intact corpse, just to be clear. He left that out initially because he thought that it's obvious. that once you say that a kazais of corpse will be Matame, certainly an intact corpse will be Matame. And so that for that reason, he left out the fully intact corpse. But then... When the Talmud of May Mayor came in, they said, no, that you have to actually learn the idea that a fully intact corpse has to be also learnt for a special Kiddush that the fully intact corpse uh, teaches you, right? And then we said that, why do you need, what would be the extra lesson? So now let's pick up five lines down where we have two explanations as to why you would need to also learn the fully intact corpse as the Talmud of Mayor did. As follows, El Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan later actually is machlok is exactly where Rabbi Yochanan suggested it. But Rabbi Yosi is referring to is what Rabbi Yochanan later said. Lo nitzricha elan nefel That's what's going on. That again, the reason why you need to mention a fully intact corpse in our Mishnah that that would also impart tuma. You would think it's obvious. You would think that if a kazayis imparts tumma, certainly a fully intact corpse does. The answer is we're referring to not a fully intact adult corpse, but al Zlun, a nafel, right, a non-viable fetus. Okay, what what's the what's the lesson there? Shiloni's of begidin. Gidin technically means sinews, but it really means all the nervous system and the circulatory system. It's not fully developed, Andrew. So. Once it's not fully developed, so then we say it's not really metamemes. That's like a general rule. Uh, some say that this comes from Hulin, Some say this has the context in Oholos, the beginning of the Mishnias in Oholos. Again, both of them would be a context. Is it a biological context uh, or is it like the tuma context? But either way, we have this fundamental idea that if a non-developed fetus is not that, you know, that, that, uh, was a Nafel that passed away prematurely, that fetus is not meta- is not considered a mace yet, right? That fetus is not really uh, a mace because it's not, right, if somebody has a miscarriage, that's not considered necessarily a mace depending on how developed it was. Now, the chiddish then is that certainly if you have a partial non-developed fetus then it would not be matame. but here, yeah, that's the chiddish here. The chiddish here is that a nazir would become tamay and would have to go through a purification process if he touched what? A fully intact, non-developed fetus. That's the chedesh. So let's read that inside. This would mean a fully intact, non-developed uh, fetus. So here too, our mission is adding this idea. If you have, let's say, an aborted fetus and it's not yet fully developed, it uh, a Nazir who would touch that, right? Even in the ca- case, and that's the Chiddush here, that even if it didn't, let's say, have a kazais, it was so small that it was less than a kazais size of flesh. Still, right, because it's fully intact, it would. It would, and by the way, the limbs themselves would not impart Tuma, but the whole fetus, once even, albeit underdeveloped, would in fact impart Tuma and therefore would trigger the purification process of a nazir. And according to... So, so, the, so that's the first explanation as to why a fully intact mace would be, uh, would be included in our Mishnah. Okay? It, it's it's um, almost analogous, Barry, to... You know, we were talking about the biriyah, shalema, and hilchos brachos. Like if you have... Ironically, a zayas is less than a kazayas. if that makes any sense, right? That when you're talking about the amount of food... If you have a whole olive, um, so if you have like a tiny olive, it's going to be considered less than a volume of a kazais. But you have one entire intact olive, or one grape as it were. So Rabbi Jonas and Sachs Schlitter for sake always cautions you, you don't have one grape. Because now you're in a suffix. You have less than a shear, right? For a, let's say, a bracha achrona, right? The bracha we've shown you're always going to make. But uh, what kind of bracha achrona are you going to make? So you have less than the shear, but you have a full barrier, right? You have a fully intact um, uh, entity, right? Of one fully intact grape, you might have to make a bracha chorna on such a fully intact thing. So similarly here, uh, I would say it's analogous that even though the, the amount of flesh is less than kazai, since it's a fully intact, albeit not, a, not fully developed, right, fetus, uh, you, would have to be, you would be metame firmament as a nazir, our Mishnah doesn't express express it as a suffix; it expresses it as a given that that would impart tuma. Good. That's the that's the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan. Rava Amar Rava has another scenario. In other words, um, that even right so so even if it's less than the let's say chazi kav that you would need, uh, as the Mishnah discusses. In order, we're talking about bones. So, according to Rava, Rov Binyano means um, most of the skeletal frame. Rov Binyano means most of the bones. Like you know, we hear it every in every uh, Dvar Torah having to do with uh, with the amount of bones uh, that there's two hundred forty eight mitzvahs. I say two hundred forty eight limbs in the body. So therefore, anything right more than one hundred twenty four bones. It, or pieces of bone, whatever, is going to be considered rov atzamos, and therefore, uh, therefore, even if it's less than a is the point, right, um, you're that's going to be considered um enough to impart Tumah. Right? It reads a little bit less cleanly in the Mishnah than Rabbi Yochanan's fashat, Right? According to Rava, when it's saying a body, it means rov body, rov amount of bones, or um right, or again, the the majority of the frame, right? So again, even if they don't amount to a, ro- a Reva, right, a quarter of a Kav, or a Rova, as it were, even if it doesn't amount to that, as long as you have the, I guess, number, the numerical amount or the majority of the skull, that too would impart to him. So those are the two explanations as to why the Talmudian mayor in fact, did, Reinsert, so to speak, the Mishnah and read it the way we read the Mishnah, which is to say, whether you have the proper amount of bones or the uh, which would be the right or the proper amount of flesh, you certainly be matame. But there are certain cases, just reviewing, where you be matame even if you do not have the proper amount of bones. When would that be? When you have the majority of the skeletal frame or the uh, majority of the number of bones? That's according to Rava or according to Rabbi Yochanan. If you have a fully intact uh, fetus, there too, the Nazir would trigger the Tuma process, and it would have to become uh, purified uh, accordingly. Okay, so now we're at the two dots, ten lines down, and and we quote the Mishnah, right where it says Al Kazayis Mace VAl all right, guys, let's get let's get deep into corpse juice, shall we, Barry? Now I call it corpse juice, but says the b'risa defines natil a little bit differently. says the b'risa, what exactly is this corpse juice? Besar so he says it a little bit differently. He says it has to be the decomposed flesh and it has to congeal. Okay, so we're going to get into this congealing flesh. She-her-tiyach. And corpse fluid that bubbled when heated in a fire. So the question is, What's this Bresa talking about? Like, how is this helpful in explaining what, we're, what, what the corpse juice is? So the is going to dig in a little bit. Hechi Dami. What's the case? The Gemara's is to say, Mimanafshach. Why would corpse juice need to congeal in order to become, to be treated, again, when you have Nate cell and it's really considered corpse juice, that's going to be Metamiyu. So what's the case? So, Ile de diddehu. Let's say you don't know what the stuff is, right? You see this like slime, Andrew. Sorry, I know it's a little early for this, but um, if you're going to say that you don't know exactly what the stuff is, right? You see this oozy, slimy stuff. So kikarash, my havi, my havi. Why would it help when when to see it congeal? Like you don't know what it is. You ever eat pacha Barry? <laughs> you know, you know what that stuff is. They call it what do they call it? Gribbits also. I once saw uh, this is Eve Feldman shout out. She's uh, she's known me since I was a baby. My parents' friends, and uh, she was shaving a cow's leg in the you know it's a cow's leg gel. It's congealed like congealed meat. Okay, so anyways, point is even if it's congealed, you don't know what it is. The point is if it's not flesh or flesh substance, so then it's not going to be metame, right? This could be mucus, could be saliva. You don't know what this thing is. Right mucus isn't metame mace, so how do you know so that 's the first thing if you don't know what it is, then it shouldn 't be metame at all. okay you you happen to know that it came from the decaying flesh. Well if you know that, then then even in liquid form, it should be like just get a right get a of hatzi the, lug of the of the juice, and you're good to go you become tummy right away. So why does it need to be a congealed berry that's the question. so it says the i 'm bistam. The case is where you don't know what it is. Moelhu, Lokarish Dilma Kikovaniuhu. Yeah. That that's the scientific right? We confirmed that I think Nachi is going to Tomo next year. So I'm gonna to have to have him uh, to learn this with Reverend Meiselman to say that this is a scientific thing. That if it is a congealed, this is scientifically how they determined whether it was a flesh or not. They took mucus and saliva, and they said, well, mucus and saliva doesn't congeal. It stays liquefied. And they saw that flesh, left at root temperature, congeals. And so it is for that reason that the Bryce says that it has to congeal, because that is how you identify it as flesh as opposed to other secretions, right? So again, reading inside, if it congeals, so then it is flesh, and thus it would, in fact, be metame. Low koresh, if it does not congeal, then dilma, kicho Then it's a real possibility that it's kicho, saliva, or neo, or mucus. Okay? And obviously, the saliva and the mucus are not considered. Right. Uh, metame, um, right, I mean, saliva and mucus, if someone is tame, can be matame ochl, and all this stuff. But we're not talking about this. We're talking about the ava tumah or tumas mes. Right? Um, the, that it does not carry, right? The, the, it is only the actual, right, Tumas Mase, the actual flesh that would carry that uh, actual status of Tumas Mace. And therefore you look to see if it's congealed. If it is congealed, then you know that it's in fact flesh and is matame. Okay. So now, Baiminei Abayi okay. Mirabba. I wanted to know. Neitzel Levehema or Eneitzel Levehema? It's like an unrelated question, so to, so to speak. Uh, in fact, it's not related to Nazir at all. Because the Nazir is only going to be, again, be triggered for t- Tumah for the natal of a mace, right? The Tumah of Nevela is, in fact, Matame. It, it's, it, it's, it's considered a high level of Tumah, um, but it's not tumma's mace, right? Okay. Um, so, be that as it may, so, so the question is, does a behema? now we're just talking, again, because until now we're talking about humans, Okay. So if human flesh is going to have this cell element, uh, halacha that's going to impart tuma to a nazir, okay, would animal cell, would animal corpse juice, nevela juice, also be considered tamay in the context where nevela would be matame, right? Not having nothing to do with nazir. That's just so you don't get confused there. So... So we'll see the application in a second. So Gamire, de Adam are you going to say that we can learn it Gamire again this is how I know it's halakhah Sinai right are we going to say that the the Natel is that we learn with regards to Adam right our, our tradition of our Mishnah that the Natel of a human corpse is actually Metame. Would inform this halacha, would say that just like is Matame and Nazir when it comes to a human corpse, so too animal corpse should be Matame just like Nevel, and to the same extent that Nevel is Matame, right? Um, so, Gemir Nathel, the Asimi Adam, Abal, the Asimi So, would you say that the way we learn, I, I, okay, Odil right? So, that's how the writer So, would you say that we learn so, so you say, would you say that we distinguish between Adam and animal? That's the right way to read this. Would you say that, again, by, an, by a human corpse, we certainly say that the Nathil is Matame? Would you say, but that is humans and animals are different? That the Nathil of a Nivela would not be, right? Nathil of Behema would not be Matame. Odil Maloshna, or perhaps, no, it's actually analogous, like I said the first way. Or you would say that there's no difference, which is to say that the natal of an animal is metame just like the natal of a human. What would you say? So now let's dig in a little bit more to the question. Ha amar. So now we're going to go, wait a minute, there is a mechlokas where this question is not such a question. That's what this means. That there is a mechlokas as follows. It says the Tuma Tumachamura ad lagar. What's Tumachamura ad leger? Tuma Tumachamura is what we call nevela. Okay? Uh, Tumachamura continues to triun- I don't have to explain this whole word. It's four words, but it, there's like a whole paragraph to explain it. Tumachamura Adlager is like this. So, first of all, what's Tumachamura? Tumachamura is Tumas Nevela. right? As opposed to Tumakala, as we'll see, right, which is a lower level, okay? Nevela is an Avatuma. That's what makes it called a Tumachamura, right? As the Rush explains, an Avatuma is gonna be Matame people, is gonna be Matame Kalim, Okay, uh, now tumakala is not what we're talking about now, but tumakala is like the kind of tumah we talk about um, whether th- that cannot contaminate, um, right? Adam and Kalim, right? It's just the type of tumah that can only contaminate food. Okay, now, now the tumah chamura, which is nevela, ad Lager means that it's a reference to the pasuk. The Pusach says, right, that if you find a, you know, the horse meat or whatever for, for McDonald's, you should never eat that, right? You see a, a Big Mac, don't ever eat that. Give it to the ger. The ger doesn't mean the convert, God forbid. It means the non-Jew, okay? So you should give it to the non-Jew. So ger. what that means is that if you see Nevela, right? And all of this chazer treif, I mean, they're not shechting it, doing the ritual slaughtering that we're doing it. They're like shooting the animal in the head. And whatever they, wherever they get their horse meat and whatever dead animals they find inside of the road or however McDonald's gets it. And so when the, that meat is obviously not for consumption for us, but ad leger means human beings would eat it, right? Human beings, a, a non-Jew would eat a Big Mac. So, that means that nevela will continue to transmit tumma until it is no longer edible to humans. That is what Ad Lager means. In other words, once it has become so inedible, okay, that a human being would not eat it, it is no longer going to retain this stringent level of Tumma where it's Metame Adam Vikelem. Okay? So again, what, what does this mean? Um, well, we'll explain the other extreme of it. The other extreme of it is if you, let's say, had something that was so masriach, so decomposed, that nobody would eat it. No animals would eat it. No, no humans would eat it. At that point, it's not food anymore, okay? At that point, it's not edible and it's not metame anything, right? Um, remember, Ari Lieber, a great master points out, this has application in Hilchas Kashris as well, right? If you have... Um, components of, let's say, medicine or whatever, components of anything that, even though it's animal derivatives, right, if, it, if in its animal derivative form, however it's, it's composed into the food, you're not really eating it, you're taking let's say, as medicine, because nobody would in fact eat it, so then it's not really food, and then the halachas of whether it's kosher or not would not be relevant, he points that, that out. Uh, that's beyond my scope to Comment on, but it's just to illustrate the fact that something once it loses its status as food, right, change that changes its halachic status. Okay, so that is what tumah adla ad means. Now, the kala adla lekelif means that the threshold for where Tumakala kala would no longer right be metame is a lower threshold. In other words, if a non if a non Jew right would not eat it it still might be able to be matame as long as a dog would eat it. So the Tumakala ad lakalev, Shapir, which means, right, so, wait, wait, we'll, we'll get to Shapir in a second. ad in other words, food continues, right, to be susceptible to even the tumakala, right, until it is no longer royla Khilas kelev. Okay? So that's what if you look at the third wide line or third midline in the rush, that's what the rush explains. That's the postak that says that you should feed the nevela to the Ger. Right? So 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 it says that if it's that which is a lager, which ain't a roy ain't a nevela. Right? So the rush really simplifies it. He says, if any non-Jew human being would eat it, that's what's called nevela. Once they're not going to be eaten, eating it, while, while once it, it's no longer going to be edible, then it no longer has that chumra status of nevela at all. Okay? And it's not even called a nevela. However, Tumakala, Right? So then, as the rush continues, <speaking in Hebrew> Right? So, so that more minor, right, level of tumma, mekabelas tumma, vachain din kol ochel, kol ochel, that all edible, all foods, right, um, and that lower level of tuma, the only way you could get rid of that tuma is if it's not roy Lachilas kelev, okay. This has an application also, this is also a dafiomi coincidence, believe it or not, because the application is to hilchos chametz. The, the that which contains chametz has a more stringent. We take on a more stringent uh, um, level. In other words, like I said, if it's not edible to human beings, it wouldn't be considered food for certain things. But if you have chametz that's not edible to human beings, we're machmir. We try to get not consume it unless it's and have it around, even if it's roilachilas kelev. Uh, this is actually relevant for actual dog food, right? Dog food that human beings don't eat. Uh, a lot of a lot of dog owners may not realize this. If do, if there's dog food around, that's chametz, right? You don't want to have that around on Pesach, obviously, right? Well, human beings don't eat it. You'll say it's not food. Yeah, but it's very lachilas Kelev. literally, and you know what I mean, in the most literal way, because a dog, it's a dog food. Okay, so you should not have that around. Okay, so now el amanda amar. Okay, so 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 what's going on here? So what shop here. I said I promised I was going to promise to Shapir. Well. The shop here is, the question is irrelevant because there's, there's no an issue of, an, of a natal of an animal, right, that's going to transmit Timah. Why? Because it's not Royal Achilles Adam, right? Why is it not Royal Hilas Adam? Well, in order to understand that, you have to realize a dog would eat natzel, but human beings would not eat natal, right? In other words, even non Jews in Right. McDonald's, they'll, they'll eat the burger, but they're not going to eat pacha, You know what I mean? They're not going to eat corpse juice congealed. And therefore, it's not royal Lachiles Adam. And therefore, once we say that it's not considered a Nevelo, once it's no longer royal Lachiles Adam, so we don't have to care about whether, the, about this shila, about whether animal natel is actual novella or not. That's the point. Right, because an animal natal is not royalachilas adam, and therefore there is no alachek nafkamina. That's what it means. When it says shapir elamanda amar Adla Yeah, the problem is if you say that it's still considered nevela until it's royalachilas kellev ma'ik That's the issue. So this is a long way of saying that the only relevance of this shayla that Abaye asked for Raba, rather, the only relevance of this shayla of whether. And, uh, a Nevela, natzel is considered novella or not. It's really only going to be relevant if you hold that, neve, that is still novella until it's oilachilas kelev. Because the kelev will in fact eat it in the natzel form. Right? That's how the Rush explains it. So now, since the kelev is going to eat it in the natzel form, it might be matame still. And so it's only relevant to there. So Tashma, let's try to resolve a biased question as follows. Says the brisa himchu be uh, B'chama tahor. The B'chama says, let's say you take a dead kosher animal. Now, this animal was not shechted, but it's dead. Uh, so, if you melted, right, the fat over a fire, that's going to be considered tahmeh. If you allowed it to sort of melt in the sun, that's gross, and it's tahor. Okay. what was what the significance of sun versus fire? Well, Roasted, melted, fired up fat, people would eat that. So that's roila chilas adam. However, fat that becomes, right, liquid in the sun, nobody, ain't nobody gonna eat that, but a dog would eat that, actually. So that's considered, right, Tahar. Dogs would probably love it. Visakadaita adla kelev. And if you used to think that a novella is gonna, is gonna be, that natzel is gonna be considered novella until it's roila chilas kelev, then you would say that, right, then the brysa wouldn't draw the line in the sand between, between uh, roasting the chaylev over fire and the sun because if the threshold is what a dog would eat, the dog would eat both of them. So why is the brysa saying that the roasted chaylev is okay and the sun-dried chaylev is not okay? There should be, uh, meaning, not, not not okay, but rather tar. In other words, the sun-dried, again, what, what are the mechanics here? The chaylev that melts in the sun, the reason why it's tahar is because it's grosser. It's gross, and human beings would not eat it, right? And once it's gross, it's not royal achila, and it's not called nevela anymore, right? Because it's just garbage, right? It's not novella anymore. So that's presumably the distinction between that which was heated in the fire and that which was heated in the sun. And yet, there should be no distinction if, in fact... We, the threshold is that it's until it's roi lachilas kelev because if you the kelev doesn't care whether it's heated in the sun or by fire you give a, a kelev some kelev that's an offer he cannot refuse so the Gemara says yeah but that price it doesn't really teach us that whether the threshold is roi lachilas kelev Roy lachilas adam or a ger as it were because emas mam because when does it melt because you have to understand how much sun ha- exposure this chaylev has to have before it melts. It's got to be so exposed to the sun that it first would decay and then would melt. And that's why, it is for that reason that the b'risa says that it's not, that it's going to be tahar because before it ever gets a chance to be liquefied, it's going to be spoiled and that even a chaylev would not eat. Right? Once it is decayed and so spoiled, then that's considered like nothing, right? Offer is not makapotuma. That's not navela. Even a dog would not eat it, and it is for that reason that it is going to be considered tahar. And has nothing to do with whether a dog would eat it or not. Yeah. So now, um, as we reach the bottom of nun Ahmed um, aleph tanan, we're going to quote a mission in Machshirin. So you already know this one, Andrew, because this is in the fifth paragraph of Machshirin, as you'll recall, and it says like this: Kol hanitzok tahar. New topic. Relevant because it has to do with congealed stuff. Kol anitzok Okay, let me explain to you what this mission of means. Okay? Anitsok yeah, means poured. Okay. So, Barry, I got tame liquid in the bottom vessel. I got tahar liquid in the top vessel. Okay? Remember, foods that, let's say you had a tahar food and a tame food, like certain things that touch each other, can become Tameh, right? That's the basics of Tumah when it comes to food, that you know, you're supposed to separate that which is tar from that which is Tameh. Now, what about liquids? So you say, well, okay, if you mix a Tameh liquid into, and a Tahar liquid, then all kalvachomer, that would all, that whole mixture should become Tameh. Fair enough. Well, let me ask you this, Barry. If I took a Tahar liquid and poured it down into a Tameh liquid, would the rest of the tar liquid in the, upper, in the upper pitcher become Tame? You would say not. Well, how would it become Tame? The only way it would be is if you say that it transmits upstream, right? So let's say you have a Tame soup and you're pouring water, that's tar into the Tame soup. Would the water in the pitcher become Tame? Why would it? Well, you say the only way it would travel is if the tuma of the soup traveled upstream, up the water, into the pitcher. So this halacha in Mechshirin says, tahor. that no, the pitcher remains Tahar unless it's HaSipim, a certain type of honey or Tzapichis. We know the concept Tzapichis Midvash. But anyway, what are these things? These things are so viscous that they're considered like a bridge between the, let's say, the bottom container and the upper container. And now there's going to be a machlokas. There's two aspects to it, Barry. Number one, it's very viscous. So number one, maybe it's so thick that it's almost like a bridge. And that's how the tumba travels upstream in those unique situations. Whereas typically with liquids, it would not. This liquid is so viscous that it's like a solid bridge in a sense. It's somewhat solid, somewhat liquid. Or you could say that it's so springy Right, It has a certain elasticity to it. You've seen that. When you pour something that's really viscous and it goes down and then it reaches its destination and then it kind of like swoops back up and jumps back into the upper container. So maybe it is for that reason that we consider the upper container uh, to be tame. And as we turn to the bays, we're going to discuss what the difference would be as follows. So Bichama adds, this is a continuation of the Mishnah in Machshirin, Afa ha mikveh and vishal Pool. Mikveh porridge, even if it's a split bean porridge, or whole bean porridge. So Bichamai says that it's because of the second thing I said. Because this viscous mixture springs back into the upper container, it is for that reason that even that one would go back to uh, being mitame, the upper vessel, right? What we call the nitzok. Now, the, uh, right, so then the question becomes, the first part, the Dvash Hazifim and zafichas. The bichamai hold that that one springs back or not, or, right? So now we have this additional porridge, and the question is, right? What's the machlokis between the Tanakhama and bichama? So it says the gemara. Bari rami Barhama. Oh, there he is. Sheer Schmidtman 's PhD uh, thesis. Rami barchama, the great uh, genius from Eretz Yisrael, asks the following sharp question. Two lines down in the base. Yesh nitzuk Ochlin or ein nitzuk laochlin? Would you say? That according to the Tanakama, right? Let's say um, foods that are melted and then poured. Would you say that the Yesh Nitzok is that a connection or not? Mia minan Bishum Deis Behu Rire. is the elastic spring back that I described. Do we say that the Tanakama, right? In other words, with the Tana the question is like this: Bechamai says that porridge springs back. Okay, so what's the machlokas between Tanakama and Bechamai? Is it that the Tanakama says that it's, that only the, let's say, the uh, honey springs back and Beit says, no, 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 also the porridge springs back? Or is it that the, that the Tanakama has a different rationale for why they think the Nitsok is, is tummy So like this. So a, do we say, right, that the Tanakama's reasoning for the honey is because it also springs back? The honey, and these melted foods, right? That's the question. Yeh Shnitzok le'ochlin, the question that the Rami Baracham wants to know is, when you have foods that are solids, but then they sort of start to sweat, and and they they become a little bit liquefied, and they stick together. Yesh ni tzok l'ochle mean, is that enough to consider them one solid thing or not? So, to 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 impart from one to the other. So, honey, leis l'hu behu rireh. The mechanics of the way food imparts tumma in that way is not the way, it's not that it springs back, but rather it's simply just it's a one directional ooze out. So, when you have a one directional ooze out, so according to that, you would not say that yesh nitzok ba'ochlin. Or maybe you would say that the reason for the Tanakama, for saying that honey does have the nitzok, is because it in fact considered like smichin would be like it's making like a connection, a bridge, as we said. And here too, It is thick enough to to form a bridge. So, again, just to review. The question with regards to Tanakama is as follows. Tanakama says honey. Bechamai said that honey, the the upper compartment, would be tame. Bechamai says also porridge. So we know the reason for Bechamai because Bechamai says the reason for Bechamai, that porridge has this elasticity where it goes back into the upper compartment, and it is for that reason that it's tame. The question is, is Tanakama hold that it's that spring mechanism that makes it tame? Well, if that's the case, then oozing solids do not, in fact, impart Tumah to each other. Or do we say that the Tanakama says that it's not the springiness, but in fact, just the fact that there's like this physical bridge, right? When you pour from something very viscous, there's a moment where there's a physical bridge. Well, if that's the case, then oozing solids do, in fact, form a physical bridge. And so whatever the ration, we know the rationale of Beishama is the springiness, so that does not apply to solids. But what is the rationale of the Tanakama? Is it the springiness or the bridge? If it's the springiness, so then it does not apply to solids. If it is the bridge, then it does. So now we're going to try to resolve it from a bride. So I'm going tashma rub a shalem. Let's say you have uh, a, a shalem, right, corpse fat in one piece, vehiticho, and then you diced corpse fat. Sorry, uh, Matt. Do you eat pacha? Because this could ruin it for you. Vehiticho, tame. It stays tame. However, hayame forad vehiticho. If it was separated and then. You melt it and combine them, tar. Then it's tar. Okay, so that would seem to imply that because it, it has this connection, right, this artificial connection, that then the reason why it's tar and it doesn't become tammate it's because it's not connected naturally. It's something called in the Tesefta of Oles chibur-e-odam. Adam. Bechibure Adam, our artificial connection is not a connection. Okay. <hibur-e-odam> but if you're going to say, right, that, that an ochel, when it comes together, does not, in fact, create a bridge and a connection, so then you should also have said, right, that there's a moment where some was solid and some was liquid, and they would be connected, and therefore, Shalom be should be also tahar. So the Gemara says, no, that's not a proof. Umar, the Ravina, right, me and also... Mar, Ben Ravina, we explain it the following. Where, no, the case was different. You heated it. And then, Right? That there's something, it's like almost like a popping popcorn where the, the stuff, the congealed stuff gets caught like on the top. Forget about the popcorn. I don't know if, I don't know if I, that's what happens with popcorn. But the point is, it pops. What I mean is that as it heats up, it pops and then sticks to the top. That's what I mean. The Karish. And there it congeals the Esa Hadadi. So basically what he's saying is this is not an artificial kind of putting it together, right, like clay, but rather it all kind of stays together. So as long as it stays together, it is for that reason that it remains tame. Not because of this concept of of Ochlin, right, coming together. Right. Okay. So another proof, okay? Ravina Larashi, Tashma, let's look at the second part of the Mishnah sold in Yeah, what about Beitchamah's idea of the porridge that springs back into itself? Shouldn't that teach you that right the idea that the Yesh Tuma Be'Ochlin. So said, so me so the Gemara says, no, that's not a proof. Me de Iray, In the case of the honey, you could say it's because of the thickness. Hakamishumrire. Whereas the case of the porridge, going back to what we said before, it could be not because of the, smich, not, not, not because of the right, spring back, but because it, for, it forms the thick strands. In other words, because, just because the porridge springs back doesn't mean that the honey does. And again, we don't know what the rationale of Tanakama is, so we try to sort of impose the rationale of Beit and the Tanakama, but we don't know what the rationale of Tanakama is, and therefore we can't speak to it. So now we have a few minutes left. Let's see the two dots, 11 lines up. Let's talk about what a ladle full of corpse dust is. Val malo tarvad rekev, what did the Mishnah say, a What's a ladleful? Like how big does a ladle have to be, Barry? Yesterday we were talking about shiurim. So That means the amount of corpse dust that would fill your palm. nav. a handful, which presumably includes the fingers and the palm. So it's not we have a so that says melo tarvad rekev shamru. This uh aforementioned corpse dust ladle, Yeshnan mi ikertzbao sulumala, meyer. some say it's from the base of the fingers to the tip. The but the khamim say just a full handful. So bash Yochanan and dhammer karaban. Sir says like they're a banan, right? A handful. That's what R Yochanan said. However, Khiskia, keman El Keman, Khiskia said that it's just a hand, but that's not one of the sheetas in the Braissa. v'lokar Velokarabanon. So Amri Melo Pisa Zayad. No, so we say this palmful is really the same. Melo Pisa Melo Chad That the amount you didn't know this. This is good for a cocktail party, Andrew. When you go to business, that the amount that your entire that would fit into your palm is also the same amount that would fit onto only your fingers, and therefore it's the same shear. And so he was saying the same shear, but in a different formulation, a different way. So we say b'arada lamala LaRosh. When we say mekishore how do we know that we mean from the base to the tip? Maybe dilma lamata maybe we mean from the knuckles below to the wrist, the haveli milopi maybe that's the answer, because that would be a, uh, a palmful. So maybe it, it, the, the amount of fingers is equal to the amount of palm, or maybe when we said from, from the knuckles, we didn't mean to the tip, but back to the palm, and then they're actually saying the same thing. And to that, teku. To that, we'll say, which way is up when you say up? Is it distal or proximal? We'll find out when Mashiach comes Bezat Hashem. In the meantime, we'll resume with tomorrow. First line, top of Nun Aleph, Amad Aleph.